We thank the Lord for you to be able to do this today. Thank you, sir. Well, I'm glad to be here. I hope you are too. <laughs> and I and I know I have no doubt in my mind that you remember every point that I made the last two series, right? <laughs> Um, my dad, who has is my mentor, has uh, he told me one time. He says, uh, "Don't preach so long that the seat of the instruction cannot stand it." <laughs> and so I uh, I try to honor that, but sometimes I just can't. Uh, <clears throat> but at the same time, he um, he is my precious father. I love him very much. And he has been a very, very good mentor in my life. Taught me a lot. And the greatest mentor in my life is my Lord Jesus Christ. And the Spirit of God that teaches me and teaches you. And so, uh, <clears throat> I want to ask you if you'd open your Bibles to the Psalms, the 23rd chapter, and we will close this series because it is the fourth verse, and this is the mentor of the shepherd and the good shepherd. <clears throat> when we started this series, we talked about the personification of Jesus Christ as the Raha. And as we shared that, we also shared with you that you cannot know the Raha until you have been born again. <clears throat> There's no way that you can ever relate to Jesus Christ as the Good Shepherd unless you have in truly been born again. I want to I want you to look at Psalms twenty third chapter, and I think it's a good time for us to look at that um, <clears throat> as the introduction as to what we want to be able to say. If you look at the passage of scripture, it is very uniquely put together and it's by the Spirit of God who puts things together within the Word of God Amen so if you, you notice that the psalmist David starts out with my shepherd <clears throat> okay and and then he goes to he 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 goes through the personal pronouns, the third person, he's. And then it changes again. And I wondered why. And so I began to pray about that and ask the Lord, why is it that it changes? And so when it came to the verse 4, or verse, excuse me, verse 3, it says, He guides me in the path of righteousness. And when we studied that, the word was makah. And it, what it means is that you're being carried over into righteousness. When you look at the he, 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 that is kind of like, I really don't know you. I've read about you. I know something about you, but I really don't know you. But then it changes. It changes. So that in verse 4, he says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death... I fear no evil, for you are with me. 
You see, it could have been just as easy for him to say, you make me lie down in green pastures. It could have been easy to say, you lead me beside the still waters, you restore my soul, you guide me in, in the path of righteousness. But it's the Spirit of God that wants you to understand that, that the He comes to you. It becomes a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? That's how the Spirit of God laid that out so that you can be able to see how that you, you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's the only way that you can ever go through the valley. It's through, through you. You are the one that guides me. You will protect me. We talked about the proportion. No lack. God gives us all that we need so that we are not uh, worried. As Jesus asked the question, why do you worry? Then we talked about His provision, the green pastures. We talked about the purification, the still waters, which is the Spirit of God refreshing us in the Word of God. But now we want to talk about the progression. So if you wouldn't mind... Please stand with me as we read the entirety of Psalms, the 23rd chapter. The Lord is my shepherd. In fact, if you do something for me, would you read this right along with me? I'd appreciate that. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. Thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You has anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hallelujah. Would you please be seated? Father, I thank You for this wonderful passage of Scripture. It speaks so well of you. It gives us the insights as to who you are and how we can love you better and how we can follow you. We thank you for your tender compassion as you are the Good Shepherd. But yet at the same time, we thank you for your correction. That even though there are times when we do not like the correction, but we profit from it. And we grow from it. Thank you, Lord, that there are times when you break our leg and you put us on your shoulder. And we learn more about who you are. We learn about your heart. We learn how that... Because of your great mercy, you spend such wonderful, glorious time with your sheep. 
Thank you for your Holy Spirit that teaches us how that we so desperately need that. Help us to be students of the Word of God that we might know you better. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now, my wife said to me, do you think that you can preach this without crying? I said, I think so. Uh, I'm sure I can. It is like I have sat down with David. I have come so close to understanding what he's saying here. It's like I've sat down and I've learned his heart. How he loves the Good Shepherd. How he looks at Christ Jesus. How he looks ahead and sees Him. I really appreciate Him. He's a man of God. A tremendous man of God. And so it is with many of the other writers of Scripture. So let's look at the progression of the sheep is walking after the Good Shepherd. Let's look at the word walk. Now, it is the poruomai. It means a progression. It means a travel. It means that we are in a journey. Every one of us has a different journey. Each one of us goes through different pitfalls. Each one of us goes through different hard times. And yet it is a journey that we all are on and we're all going to the same destination. But it is that we are walking, poor Uamai. It's, it's, it's in the passive voice. Now what do you mean by that? I mean that the passive voice means that God is doing the action. So what David is saying, that I'm walking in the valley, what he's saying is that God is drawing me through the valley. You see, God draws you into salvation. But it doesn't stop there. He continually draws you. Draws you unto Himself. It's a continual process that He's doing in your life. If you wouldn't mind, turn to John 6.44. John 6.44. And I see you looking at my watch. Connie had prayed earlier and she says that Lord make make your management of the time right for Luke. And I agree with that prayer. Because I've got so much to cover. And I hope that I can cover it all with you. But here it says no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draw him and I will raise him up in the last day. Ekuo is the word here. It is used eight times in the New Testament. And to help you kind of understand what it means to be drawn, let's turn to John 21.6. Now, I must confess to you that there has been changes in my sermon before or after the printout that you've got before you. So if it looks like 
uh, I'm, I'm had amnesia and I'm telling you some things that I didn't realize that was there. It's not the case. It's just sometimes some things have changed, okay? Okay, this is a picture of drawing. Jesus says, cast your net on the other side or on the right side of the boat. And so when they did that, they cast it over into the other side of the boat and they begin to draw it unto themselves. Drawing is pulling. They're pulling it to the, to the shoreline. I guess I ought to turn to that passage instead of talking about it. Okay, in John 21, 6. It's a very descriptive and it's the same word, ekuo. And I will get there in just a minute. My patients are so worn, it's hard to turn them. In 21.6 it says, And he said to them, Cast a net on the right hand of the boat, and you will find a catch. The cast therefore, and then they were not able to haul it all in or haul it in because of the great number of fish. So the hauling is the same word. It's the pulling. It's, it's drawing. So you have that picture in your mind. It is a net that has strings to it and he's pulling it. And see, that's the same thing that he is doing to you. And to me, he's drawing you unto himself as if he was pulling a net. In some ways, it is kind of like a net. All of us are being pulled unto him. But I want you to see that there is two sides to one coin. You say, well, Luke, that's something we all know that. But the two sides to the one coin that I want you to see is that there's divine intervention on one side of the coin and there is human responsibility on the other side of the coin. So as the Spirit of God is drawing you unto yourself, you are walking. You are traveling in this direction. You are in the process of going there. Okay? But yet it's still God drawing you. So there is two, two things. It's kind of like the middle voice. The action is being done to you, and you are also doing the action. Okay? Now, <clears throat> turn to John 8.12. John 8.12. Again, this is our good shepherd, and he is speaking to us out of John 8.12. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of light. Shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of light. Now, that word follow is a very, very important word. Because in order to follow, you've got to have your eyes on who is leading you, right? So if I am following Jesus Christ, and I'm following Him as my Good Shepherd, I've got to be looking at Him, right? I've got to be constantly looking at Him. But notice in John 1.5, 1 John 1.5. I know you feel like you're in a Bible drill, but uh, <clears throat> 1 John 1.5. And this is a message which we have heard from Him, 
and declare to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. Now remember what He told you in John the 8th chapter? Jesus said, you follow Me. You follow Me and you won't walk in darkness. Here's light. And then when you start thinking about the light of Jesus Christ, what you're thinking about is that there is no variations of shadows whatsoever. I don't know about you, but I can't conceive of that. I've seen people who draw, they have the artistic people who draw things, and they have a light here and a light there and a light there and a light there, and they're trying to get to picture so where there wouldn't be any shadows. And folks, it's just almost impossible to do that. But see, in Jesus Christ, in God, there is no shifting shadows. There is no shadow. So when you're walking in the light, God sees everything you're doing. He knows your thoughts. He knows your heart. In fact, He knows when you're in the darkness too. You know, if you go to a room and you've never been to the room before, and you open it up and you walk in and all of a sudden you find out it's so dark you can't see anything. Now, if you're in that room, you're thinking... Well, I need to go ahead and find the light. But you're kind of, kind of concerned because you don't know what's before you. You might trip over something because you can't see anything. You can't even see your hand before you. So, how, so he's saying that you can't walk in darkness. You can't walk in darkness. There's no way you can walk in darkness because you can't see your way. You say, well, that's so simple. Yes, it's very simple. But see, this is what Jesus is saying to us. He is telling us that there's no way that you can walk in the darkness. You stand still. You are concerned about what is all around me. You know, it's amazing to me too that I've been in some dark places and it seems like to me I hear all kinds of noises. I don't know if you do or not. I said, oh boy, I hear, I hear the noise there. I can't see it. What's that? Who's there? <laughs> but you know, when I finally find the light and turn it on, everything is exposed. There isn't anything that's in your way that's not exposed. Oh, there's a stool there and you walk around it. And see, that is the way when God sheds the light for you, He exposes everything. And that means your own sin. He exposes things. So if we're walking in the light, we know when we sin. We know when we have failed. We follow the Good Shepherd and we want to do what He asks us to do. And it's only in the light that we can see Him. can't see Him in the darkness. Impossible for us to see Him in the darkness. Notice verse 6. Same chapter. Chapter 1. If we say that we have fellowship with Him... I'm sorry. Yeah, right. I'm right. Don't worry about it. I'm, I'm good. If we say we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, what is to say? We lie. We're a bunch of liars. 
that we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. We lie. You know, people don't like to be called liars, did you? They don't. If I come to a person and he tells me something and I say, that's a lie, you're a liar, he'll probably smack me in the mouth. They don't like that. But God here, I mean John, by the Spirit of God, is calling us liars if we're not walking in fellowship with Him. No liar. So the light exposes, the darkness blinds you. Because you can't see. So our pilgrimage is in the light. It is exposing everything that is before us. Now, Walking in the light is the same thing as being in the Spirit. It's the same thing as practicing the truth. If you're in the light, you're in the Spirit, and you're practicing truth. <clears throat> so, what we're saying, what we're basically saying here then, we're saying that in, to practice, poeho, to practice, in order to keep, he says you've got to keep the law, that's, that's terio. I have to keep it. In order for me to keep it, I have to practice it. That makes sense? If I'm not continually practicing the Word of God, I'm not going to keep it. God has enabled me to try to learn how to study Greek, and it's been really tough. And, and the only way I can keep it is I have to practice it over and over and over and over and over again. And this dull mind doesn't really keep it very well unless I practice it all the time. That is part of keeping God's Word. If I'm going to keep God's Word, I have to practice it. I have to practice it. Now, Let's change courses a little bit here and let's talk about the valley. Note this, that it's the valley of the shadow of death. It is a journey from one point to another. You're going through that valley. Now, I want you to see that this this valley in the Hebrew is gahi. It means a narrow gorge. A narrow gorge. A narrow way. What does that bring to your mind when you start thinking about the narrow way? Doesn't that bring to you what Jesus had to say? Well, let's look at that in Matthew seven thirteen to fourteen. <clears throat> Matthew seven thirteen to fourteen. Go in through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there are who go in through it. Because narrow is the gate and narrow is the way which leads to life. And there are a few who find it. Now there's a big question mark that was in my mind on this verse. 
He starts off, Go ye through the narrow gate, then all of a sudden, he starts talking about the wide gate. And I'm going, Lord, why did you do that? Why is that you just dropped off from speaking about one thing and then totally start talking about the other? And then I was pointed out with a little conjunction. There's a conjunction between these two phrases. It's for. Hoti. Hoti connects these two phrases together. They're not two separate phrases. They are two phrases that come together. And so when he spoke these things, you're thinking, okay, all right, then what is the message that's behind them? The message is that where is the narrow way? You see, a lot of times we think in our minds that the narrow way goes this way and the broad way goes this way. But see, God is not saying that. The Broadway is the world system, is it not? Broadway is while that Satan teaches their people to go. It's a world system that's totally opposite from the narrow way. But Jesus told his father, asked his father, I pray that you not take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. The narrow way goes smack right through the middle of the Broadway. Right through the middle. And that means that if you're on the narrow way, that means that everything that is in the world system influences you. It's there. And we have to deal with it. And yet there are some folks that get so close to the narrow way but they're not in it. Like Judas. Judas was so close to the narrow way. He, he fellowshiped with the disciples. He talked with the Savior. He dealt with them for three and a half years. But Judas was a Judas. He was not in the narrow way. He was close to it, but he was a goat. And see, there are so many, there are many who think they're in the narrow way, but they're not. You can't be around the narrow way and expect to get into the narrow way because the narrow way is the elect of God. And those who are not in the narrow way of the non-elect of God. So I don't like that. Well, I'm not the one who wrote the Bible. I'm just telling you what it says. So don't throw stones at me. So when we talk about the Broadway, we're talking about the world system. And Demas was one who was very close to Paul. And Paul wrote... Demas has left me for this present world. See, Demas was already a part of the world. And for some, I don't understand how that Paul never detected that Demas was a world goat. But he was. Absolutely was. 
Now, the psalmist David says that where to go through, where to go through the valley. Okay? Where to go through the valley. You know what through means? It means you go in one end and you come out the other. You know, I figured that out all by myself. You go through one end and you come out the other. You finish the course. You preserve to the end. Isn't it amazing how that David is writing here in the Old Testament and it just fits right in the New Testament? That tells you there is one author of the Word of God. You see, in God's vocabulary, there is no word quit. God don't know the meaning of quit. And He doesn't want us to know the meaning of quit either. You don't quit. You don't stop and say, I quit. This is too much for me. There's too many trials in my life. I quit. I quit. I don't want to do this. See, Israel wasn't out of Egypt until they went through the Reed Sea. When they were on the other side of the Reed Sea, they were out of Egypt. That's true. They went through. Paul said, he said, I have fought a good fight. I have come to the end of my journey. He went through. He was going through. Many of great saints of God were not through until they were martyred. And when they were martyred, they came to the end of their course. You see, you're not through until God says you're through. All right? And so you can just say, well, Lord, I've just kind of, I've kind of uh, put my mantle on somebody else. Hmm. God says, I didn't tell you to do that. Well, you know, there's a, uh, the handing of the mantle. Let's talk about that a second. Elisha received Elijah's mantle, and that means that he was his prodigy. So he followed Elijah everywhere he went. And there was one time that that he received the mantle. And what did that say? It's your turn now, buddy. I'm through. But you know there was a time that Elijah thought he was through. He sat under the broom tree. You remember that? And he says, I quit. I quit. I don't want any more of this. Oh, Jezebel's after me. She's going to kill me. I'm through. And God sent His angel to him and says, You ain't through, buddy. Get up and eat some more food. You're fixing to go on a long journey. You ain't through. And so therefore, God God comes into our lives and He says, You're not through until I tell you that you're not through. 
See, Moses handed his mantle over to Joshua because God took him. He didn't hand his mantle over until God took him, right? It was when he was through. So Elijah became his prodigy. And when we think about the mantle, you say, well, what do you really mean by the mantle? Three things. One is service. Two is discipleship. And three is leadership. The mantle. Now what is the mantle? It's just a throw over, like a robe. But uh, it has a significant meaning to it. And uh, when we throw our mantle onto somebody, it means you're my prodigy. And when you get the mantle, because I'm no longer around, that means you have to have some prodigies. You have to be a disciple maker. You have a job to do. Well, I'm old. Come on, folks. I'm almost 67, and I'm not through. It's not a matter of how old you are or how young you are. It is what God has put into your life. It's the purpose that He has for you. You have to carry that purpose on. You have to keep on going. It may be that that purpose that He has for you is going to carry you for the rest of your life. And you're going to perfect that purpose. The broad way is for those in the world. They're the goats in the world. And God gave us the command to not love the world. He said, don't get into the world. You're passing through the world. Your residence, permanent residence, is not in this world. It's not here. It's not here. The end of the valley is the shadow of death for the sheep. Now, do you get that word? Shadow. Shadows don't hurt. I walk through shadows all the time and they never hurt me. Shadows don't hurt. What is he saying when he says the shadow of death? Isn't that so insightful? He's talking about he's talking about that the fact that when we come to the end of our journey, we don't die. We sleep. We just pass on over. Hey, we, we don't die. It says in First Thessalonians four thirteen We who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not go before those who are asleep. Not who are dead, but who are asleep. Jesus spoke of Lazarus, and he said, He said, Our friend Lazarus sleeps. Come on, Lord. Don't you know the death? Don't you know the difference between sleeping and death? That's what the disciples thought. He said, Well, if he's asleep, then let's not disturb him. And so he had to tell them, Well, that means he's dead. But he's not really not dead, he's asleep. Right? That wonderful, beautiful song 
that says, On Jordan's stormy banks we stand and cast a wishful eye on Canaan's fair and happy land where our possessions lie. Isn't that beautiful? That is where you're standing. When you come to the end of your valley, He's got you. He not only carried you into His fold, He's going to carry you into the kingdom of God. Oh, I'll wait for that. Man, I'll look for that. I better get off of that because I'll start crying. <clears throat> the good shepherd protects his sheep. I keep looking at my arm. I took my phone, my, my, my phone, my watch off so I can see it, but it looks like we're doing pretty good. Thank you, Lord. The good shepherd protects his sheep. He is our protection. Mm. David says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. What a statement is that? You are with me. Now, when we talk about our Savior, our Lord, we're talking about the King of Kings. We're talking about the mighty God who spoke things into existence by His Word. And it came into existence. He's the one who maintains all things. And you think that He can't protect you? So, oh, but there's some bad things that come our way. And they wouldn't come your way unless He allows it. And if He allows it, there's a purpose. So you say, well, I've been through some really tough trials. Praise God! That's kind of like marriage, right? For better or worse? And some people come in and say, yeah, but it's really worse. That's great! Because you already gave your, your word for better or worse. Say, well, Lord, I'm walking with you and it's better, but now it's worse. That's good! Because He's got some things He wants to teach you. So he's so the sheep must gain when he teaches her. See, the thing that we have to learn is that we have to gain by practicing the Word of God in our lives and looking to Him, we gain a confidence in the Good Shepherd. Continually gain a good confidence. A confidence. I'm confident in you that you're going to protect me. I'm confident. That's what he's talking about. Confidence. So therefore, we, the sheep must learn confidence. Sheep are skittish. If you haven't been around sheep, just go around them and throw a rock and watch them run. They're skittish. They're skittish about noises and things like that. And you know, we're sheep. And so the thing about it is that the good shepherd saying, Now, now, don't get all up proud. I'm here. I'm going to take care of you. Don't worry about where this country's going to. Don't worry about who is going to be the leader of this country. I've got it under control. And if Hillary Clinton becomes the president of this nation, God forbid... 
<laughs> if that be the case, don't worry. I've got it. I've got you. And you say, well, Lord, what if, he, what if I get, I have to die? Well, that's good. That's good. Oh, but I'm afraid of dying. Well, so what? There's anxiety in a lot of things that we're in. But once you are beheaded, you become sinless. <laughs> right? Do you know what it is to be sinless? Oh, my. I don't. I mean, even in my prayers, I have problems. But to become sinless? Oh, that's a good thing. Hey, listen, make sure you aim really good and sever that thing good so I can, I can be sinless. And so that's kind of morbid, preacher. Oh, but listen. Oh, that's a good thing. I won't become sinless. I won't become sinless until He wants me to become sinless, you know that. Do you realize that Jesus Christ went through so many different problems and trials and they tried to stone Him from time to time? Do you know why they couldn't do it? Because it wasn't His time yet. And when it is His time, then He went to the cross, then He suffered from the man's hands because it was His time. And nothing is going to take your life until God says it's time. So don't worry about it. Don't get it all fixed, Gerald says. Don't get all in a fizzy. So they learned about the shepherd. They learned that he, he watches over them. So when we say Raha, the good shepherd, we're talking about the shepherd of his sheep and we're talking about a personal relationship. And listen, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior... I invite you to know Him. You say, well, I've been coming to this church for a good while. I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. That doesn't make a bit of difference. It doesn't make a bit of difference. It's whether you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not where you're at. It's not how you act. It's whether you're in the narrow way or you're out of the narrow way. Very important. And when he says in John 10:16, I have other sheep which are not of this fold, I must bring them also and they will hear, they will hear my voice and they will become one flock and one shepherd. You know, he says will twice in that passage of Scripture. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about a surrender of our will to His will. And you will hear His voice. He says, well, I haven't heard His voice yet. Have you ever been convicted about sin? That's His voice. Has God ever made something when you read the Scriptures pop out at you? That's His voice. He doesn't tell you anything contrary to the Word of God. Always in the Word. How how is a good shepherd? How does a good... I'm I'm going... This is kind of like a review of the good shepherd... But I'm looking at my watch and saying, Luke, you better move on. So I'm going to do that. What does David mean by evil kakas? 
He's speaking of the effect of evil upon you. When you hear evil on the television, how does it affect you? When, when evil as is at your doorstep, how does it affect you? Evil doesn't bother you unless it affects you. And if you have the trust in Him, and He says, I've got this, then the evil should not be something that affects you to the negative. No matter what comes, it should not affect you. Even if it takes you, even if you're imprisoned, it's how it affects you. How you deal with it. Lastly, let's get on to the rod and your staff. They comfort me. I've enjoyed this section so much. And I wish that it wasn't just 15 minutes to share it with you. But it is, and I'm hoping to help you see it. When you say, when you say the rod, the rod is Shabbat. Shabbat. It is a two to four foot club or a stick. Has tremendous meanings to it as you look through it in Scripture. But there is Obadiah Sedwick who writes in the Treasury of David some of uh, of points that there is by writers. And he, and he shares with us three Latin words. Numenere. Is that right? You guys got it right before you. Numenere. Provocare. And revocare. Now, numenere means counting. Counting. Now, you're going to enjoy this, so don't get too excited and jumping all over your seats there, but just enjoy it. Numenere is counting the sheep as they pass under the rod. So you, you, see the, you see the shepherd, and he has his rod like this, and the sheep go up under his rod. And each time one passes, he counts, he counts, he counts, he counts. It means counted. Now if you turn to Leviticus 27.32... It says, for every tenth part of the herd, a flock, whoever passes under the rod, the tenth shall be holy to the Lord. So what he's saying here in this passage is that that they pass under the rod. That's the picture I want you to see. But I want you to also see something else. The rod also reveals those sheep of God who pass under the rod are appointed to receive God's inheritance. Because the word means counted. If you turn to Jeremiah 10.16. Jeremiah 10.16. I'm not going to try to wait for you. I'm just going to go on. The portion of Jacob is not like them. For he is the forerunner of all things, and Israel is the rod of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. 
So the inheritance belongs to Israel. What God has for them. But you say, oh, but what about us? I'm glad you asked that. I'm fixing to tell you. If you look at Ephesians 1.11. Ephesians 1.11. Now the word rod is not in the English here. It ought to be. In Him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. The word obtained is klero. And klero means counted. So we passed under the rod and God counted us for His inheritance. Same principle. Same purpose. In both passages. Provocator means prodding. Kind of like when Paul, when God said to Paul, why are you kicking against the pricks? It's a prodding. It's a rod used to quicken the pace of those that are lagging behind. Yeah? So it is. It's for lazy sheep. They're lagging behind. And he pricks them. <laughs> Come on. Move. Let's go. Going too far behind. You know what happens when you lag way down behind? The Midianites get you. That's right. That's what's happened to Israel. Those that lag way behind the Midianites got them. Don't lag behind. Don't want the Midianites to get you. Rebel care is correction. It's correcting independent sheep. You know we got independent sheep that think they have it? They don't need anybody else? I'm by myself? I can handle it. You know, it's kind of like boys in the sheep herd. Push around, you know, I'm here, I'm here. Let me get by the feet. I'll get there. No, no. Correction. Smack them on the back. Get them right. But the staff has has a different meaning to it. The staff is meshana. Meshana. It's a stick that is usually taller than the shepherd and has a hook on the top of it. Now, he carries both of these with him. But the, the staff is not really used for correction. The rod is. Do not spare the rod. Or you spoil the child. You know that? It resembles leadership. The staff resembles leadership. And if you remember, you may not, but Synarchib, Synarchib speaks to Hezekiah and he talks about the leadership that he is trying, that, that Israel is looking for in Egypt. And he says, Lo to you, trust in the staff 
of this broken reed. What he's talking about is leadership. You're trusting in Egypt's leadership. So staff means leadership. And staff refers to a scepter. In Isaiah 14.5, the Lord has broken the staff of the wicked and the scepter of rulers. Staff and scepter are the same thing. And I'll prove that to you. If you go to Hebrews 1.8, the good shepherd's staff will become the king's scepter. The good shepherd's staff will become the king's scepter. But to the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. The word here is hobdos. Hobdos. The Greek word for scepter. It means a staff. It means a walking stick. It also means a rod of iron. But what I want you to see is that it is what our good shepherd holds. Now what shape it's in, I don't know. But I know that what Habas says in the Greek. And so you have to find out in the millennial kingdom. So the rod comforts me because I get a spanking every once in a while. And I often wondered when my dad told me, Son, I know this is going to comfort you. And I couldn't understand that. Until I am here. And I looked back and knew that what he was doing was correcting my way. Helping me go the right way. But the staff is a leadership and rulership. His leadership in your life. He rules in your life. He guides you. He is the good shepherd. And so as you see the good shepherd, you see the staff in his hand. He is walking before you. He's leading you. This is the end of the series of the shepherd and the sheep. Let's pray. Father, how I'm so thankful and grateful that we have a good shepherd and that you're taking us through the narrow way where the world sees us, where the world system even hates us because we set a proper way as to how to walk, how to conduct ourselves how to live. And Father, when we are persecuted because of how we walk and how we live, that's a good thing. Because Lord, You said to us that if they've hated me, they will hate You. And the only reason why they will hate me is because I don't look like them. I don't act like them. 
and it's a conviction to them. So, Father, I pray that as we go on this route, that help us to remember that they're not going to be able to do anything to us unless you permit it. For we trust in you. You are our good shepherd. You are with us. And you are in us. And we give you praise for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. I believe I've finished it. Thank you, Luke. Yes, sir. I feel like I've been fed very well. (laughs) Appreciate that. Well, knowing that He is a God who takes care of us,